When Kenneth Branagh directed me as Hamlet, he, before our first performance, he assembled the company of actors together and gave us a little, little talk, a few notes, before the, about two hours before the first show. And he, at the end of it, he said, and this is what I would like to say about playing Loki, it's not nothing. It is something. Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. I'm Josh Horowitz, and today on Happy, Sad, Confused, I'm burdened with a glorious purpose, reuniting with one of my favorite human beings. It's Tom Hiddleston, back where he belongs, in person, on Happy, Sad, Confused. Thank you so much. Face to face, in the same room. The band is back together. On the same timeline. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) In in the same, I don't know, what would you call it? In the same, with the same variants in the same timeline. Exactly. It's good. He's he's on message. We are talking, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched season two of Loki, we're going to talk about some spoilery things. Okay, yeah, spoiler alert. You heard it here first. We're going to spoil it for you. Um, Everybody dies. No, that was was Avengers. That was a different (laughs) thing. (laughs) Um, It's so good to see you. First of all, it is. It really is. It's been too long. It has been way too long. Uh, congratulations on everything going on in your life, but let's start with, with the work. Let's concentrate on the work. Um, this is a massive achievement, and it must feel Thank you. so gratifying for a thousand reasons. Um, with all due respect to Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr., I think Loki has had the greatest arc of any MCU character. When we think of where he began and where he is now, perhaps at the end, it must just fill you with so much pride. You could never have imagined this journey for this character, could never. you? Never, never in a thousand years. Um, and that's so kind of you to say that. Um, it has been the journey of a thousand miles. It's, it's been, um, you know, I, I was cast in 2009 um, by Kenneth Branagh to play Loki in Thor. And I recognized then that I had been given this extraordinary gift of an opportunity to play a really interesting, complex, tragic, poignant character who is going to be the antagonist in this, um, you know, heightened myth. And I thought, wow, this is, I've never been, had the chance to do this before. And I could never have imagined that that journey would continue into chapter upon chapter on chapter of a kind of epic journey. Well, yeah, I mean, you couldn't even imagine what the MCU would become. I mean, no. The MCU wasn't anything yeah. then, let alone... yeah. To be selfish enough to think about like, oh, they're going to really satisfy like my character needs. Like, but like it wasn't about your character needs. It was about the story and about Loki. I mean, I guess, I guess the first big jump was when they found out when you found out you were going to be the villain in Avengers. Yeah. And then it's these steps up like, oh, really? Wow. You you see the, 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 the power of this character. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was I was always thought that initially um, that really depending on the story that was being told, there was always so much range and so much breadth and so much depth to the character from the ancient myths. And I, you know, I've spoken about this before, but that's the whole, the joy for me is that the, the, this, there is in human imagination some need to characterize chaos and playfulness right. inside a, a character that ancient mythologies of different kinds, not just the Norse myths, um, have done, that somehow it's necessary to collective human imagination to for, for someone to embody the disruptor, the trickster, the boundary crosser, fluidity, somebody mercurial, somebody unexpected, somebody spontaneous, somebody dangerous, 
somebody occasionally necessary. And depending on the story you want to tell, you can put Loki anywhere and he'll always have a take. Um, So I think that's what's been so fruitful and so rewarding for me is depending on the point of view of the story, Loki's role has always been different. Right. Can you compare and contrast for me kind of the first moments of Loki and and where we see him at the end, perhaps the end of this journey, mm. and how much that was on your mind, because there are many callbacks, especially in this final episode. Yes, yeah, deliberately two. so. Yeah, I was going to say, and I've heard you, in, in fact, had some ideas of bringing back a line, etc. Yeah. yeah, was that important to you too? If indeed this is the end, we should have some symmetry. It, it, um, absolutely, we're dealing with time, the circularity of time, um, the um, non-linear nature of memory and meaning. And there was some sort of, even in, even in the genesis of the idea of Loki as a series, which was that you're pulling Loki out of reality, pulling him out of an arc on the timeline, completed. It starts in the audience's mind with that first, first Thor film. He, as a young prince and a, and a younger brother, he finds out he doesn't belong. It finishes with that confrontation with Thanos and a private admission in the presence of his brother that he is an Odin son and he sacrifices himself and that's complete and in the DNA of of Loki as a series it's we're going to um, refashion and reconfigure the character around his understanding of that journey and I think in episode one of season one the confrontation with Mobius is shattering because it's like a confrontation with self. Right. That actually there was, his glorious purpose was entirely inglorious and without meaning. And, but it's a second chance. And I think if any, anyone has a second chance in life, you're always aware of that first go around. And so that the, because we were playing with time loops and timelines, and then part of his ability, uh, it starts as an affliction, but he can travel between temporal realities. Why not, in some musical way, hear these refrains from, because the audience is familiar with the music, the audience is familiar with with these melodies, these melodies he's been playing on for six films and 12 episodes. Um, And I knew, I think, I knew it would be rewarding, I hoped it would be rewarding for the audience to hear those again but reinvigorated and reinterpreted and redefined. Um, and that can be specific if you'd like. Well, yeah, so yeah. W- what was the specific additions that you had on set that were important to you? A specific line or two, as I understand it? Yeah, there was always this, I was always trying to, um, a, a real headline for all of us. Uh, two things spring to mind. Um, in the writer's room, which was a really amazing kind of sort of series of weeks and months of conversations. Kevin Wright, our producer, Eric Martin, our head writer, Kasra Farahani, our production designer, who was also in the room, and the writing team. Really, really, we had it on the board. I am Loki of Asgard and I am burdened with glorious purpose. And the meaningless of that, the meaninglessness of that for Loki impels him into an existential crisis, but it also impels every other character, Mobius, Sylvie, B-15, Casey, Renslayer, OB, and the TVA as an institution. The TVA had a purpose. Right. 
which was to keep the sacred timeline in order. And then it's like, wait, are we the bad guys? Um, we were we were kidnapped from the timeline. We had our own lives. We had our memories erased. Does the TVA have a purpose? Can it be refashioned, reconfigured, rediscovered? So there was that. That was always like just keeping this idea of interrogating purpose alive because that felt very resonant with the show um, and very resonant with the beginnings of the character. Even in that first Thor film, Loki's engaged with ideas of belonging. Yeah and identity. Who am I? Right, what's what my place? Am I? Yeah. am I the monster that parents tell their children about at night? What am I? Tell me, he says to Odin. He's always trying to work out who he is. Who does he think he is and who is he really? Mobius confronts him with a different point of view. Sylvie confronts him with another point of view as a mirror. Um, so that, that was up there. And then, and then uh, more specifically in the finale, um, I remember so well uh, Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson we were it was like an, it was like a Thursday morning or a Friday morning and they were we were it was an extraordinarily elaborate set the the temporal core control room or the loom room for short <laughs> but basically they're all standing looking out through the observation window at the loom and we were all there for weeks and weeks and weeks playing these loops playing these repetitions and it felt like this extraordinary company team effort every time. And then, but it was built on two or three stories and, and below the room was a real staircase that went into an airlock. And then these uh, blast doors would open onto the gangway. And early, early morning and Aaron Moorhead said to me, I think in about 40 minutes, we're gonna be, we're gonna be on you in the airlock. So have a think about what you feel you need to say. And I was like, understood, sir. So I took myself. Easy, easy task. <laughs> wrapping I mean, we up had this a, whole thing. We yeah. had a version of it in the script, sure. but it was like, they knew that like, it was going to be significant for me, for the yeah. character. It's the last thing he says. Yeah. And I went, I left the stage and I went for, I went out into, onto the lot at Pinewood Studios in London, in Buckinghamshire. And I went for a little jog just around the lot. You know, I love to run. You love to run as well. That's where I do my best thinking. And I was listening to some film scores, um, one of which was actually the score from Thor by Patrick Doyle. And actually I was just thinking, well, I became actually overtaken by the significance of it being the last thing I was gonna say and the, the length of the journey and how significant it's been for me in my life and um, thinking of all the people that had helped me along the way and people who'd created this character with me and stuff. And I, it just, this, the line came to me in a, it just, you know, as it, that's how creativity works, I guess. Yeah. Just, I was like, oh yeah, I know what I should say. And I went in and I found Kevin Wright and Justin and Aaron and I was like, I've got it, I think. And they went, okay. And they shut their eyes and I said, goes like this. I know what I want. I know what kind of God I need to be for you, for all of us. And it's the line that Loki says to Odin at the end of Thor, and he is, it's a desperate plea for approval and validation. It's, it's the, a cry for help from a son who feels he doesn't belong. And 
it doesn't work and it's heartbreaking. Right. And this time it's this Loki has lived through that moment and understands something much deeper. And it just felt like a kind of I actually understand now I understand. Now I understand what I have to do. It's not about me, it's about you. Right. Um, when he looks out to his, his friends, yes. like he's, his yeah. family. He says goodbye he's actually, to his friends, yeah. I don't know how many times we've talked about saying goodbye to this character. I know. I know. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> so we just need to, every couple of years we meet up and go, is it time to say goodbye? Sometimes there are fake tears on carpets. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, yeah. it feels realer yeah, than yeah, other yeah. times. <laughs> it feels pretty real sitting yeah. here today. And it does feel like, look, for any drama to have stakes, you need... You need true closure. You need an yeah. end, right? Yeah. So I, I get, I, you know, obviously anything can still happen. It's Marvel. It is what it is. But if this is it, does it feel like this is the way to go out? Does this feel like I left it all on the table? I mean, I, I, of course, I don't know. And, and, and as we've discussed, like, there have been thank you notes exchanged between myself and Kevin Feige and Luis de Esposito and Victoria Alonso saying, you know, me saying thank you so much for the role of a lifetime, you know, I'll always be grateful to you. And they say, Tom, you know, you'll always be part of the family. Come and see us anytime. Yeah. And eight years later, still playing yeah, yeah, the character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we'll just keep saying thank you. Um, and so with that in mind, but I, 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 um, I, do, I, did, I do feel very proud and satisfied with where we, with where we landed. Because I think, as a team, we brought it full circle, and it is this ultimate journey of redemption. Yeah. Um, you know, this someone who felt like they didn't belong, someone with a shattered heart, someone with a broken soul, finds a group of people who he feels he belongs to, and rather than leaning into the grief and hardening his heart, he opens his heart and refines his soul. Um, and it felt very uh, meaningful um, and, and mythic, I guess, I hope. I wanted to honor the, the, the kind of ancient weight right. of this character. So in, in the tradition of, especially the series of Loki, is there a moment you would enjoy revisiting? It's like kind of like go back, relive, eavesdrop on yourself? I would, I mean, I, when you, immediately when you ask me that question, I, I think of the, the early scenes and the early period of rehearsals for the first Thor with Chris Hemsworth, because, because the, the atmosphere of like, it was so, there was such a thrilling sense of excitement and potential of like, of both of us looking at each other going, can you believe we're here playing these characters of this scope and dimension? And that felt like a, yeah, it's a very, a very, um, those memories are very uh, precise for me still. Um, be amazing to go back and wonder what that was like. For a show called Loki, you assemble a hell of an ensemble, and they yeah. all have so many moments to shine in, in both of these seasons. I want to mention a couple of them. Sophia, of course. Do you have a favorite moment of, of working with her or a scene, an exchange that jumps out? Um, great question. Do I have a scene that jumps out? 
immediately I want to sort of um, talk about that scene in the bar in episode five of season two because that felt like we we talked about the two of us talked about their their relationship through this season obviously they at the end of season one they both feel so betrayed by each other and they feel so hurt that actually even coming back to a place of being able to talk to each other is difficult but the they're almost dramatizing an argument about about destiny and free will and and sylvia's saying you've got to write your own story i'm writing mine like don't you can't depend on it don't depend on the tva or anyone else to write your story and it's and it's so confronting for loki but they help each other grow and we wanted their disagreement in a way through the through the season to we wanted the audience to feel like they're both right right i kind of think maybe sylvie's right maybe the tva should be burned down Actually, maybe Loki's right. Maybe, maybe it's better to stay and fix something that's broken. Maybe the institution can be reformed. Um, and there were these. We used to. We sort of used to talk, refer to them as lily pads. These lily pads through the show where you'd you'd have these really deep conversations between the two of them. So I thought of the bar immediately because she she says to him, "What do you want?" Right. And I don't think he's ever been asked that question in the, in quite such direct terms. And that's when you hear him say, I want my friends back. I don't want to be alone. Which is true of the guy we met in Thor. Right. He doesn't want to be alone. He wants to belong. Um, and so that's a really big memory. And then I think also what came to mind is that scene um, at, the end of the, at the end of season one in the Citadel when we were rehearsing the fight and we, we shot that scene right at the end of the schedule. And there was obviously that huge fight where they both feel such in, with such intensity that words will no longer do it. They kind of have to fight. Um, and eventually he stops her and, and what that scene would should convey and together working out exactly what the words were. And it just was such a great it was such a, a an amazing day or two on set with her. It was just so free and so collaborative and, um, you know, really playing the music together, finding those right words and locking them in, making sure that every word was so carefully chosen. Um, yeah, just great. And, and before you ended your time working with the great Owen Wilson, mm. did you ever summon the courage to do your impression Never. of him? No, he, he knows it was about going it. so well. He knows, he, knows, <laughs> he knows about it. He thought, I mean, he was like, yeah, it's fun. And, you know, it's, right. he, he has a sense of humor about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but um, God, it's been, so, it's been so enjoyable working with him. Right. He, it's just his, his capacity for invention. He's such a brilliant writer. And that's how he came into this. You know, that's how he came into to doing what he does as, sure. a, as a writer. Bottle rocket. Bottle right, rocket. Right, yeah. And, he is, he's, you know, there are some things that he comes out with. It's just like, I could never have been written down. Right. It could only have come from the mind of Owen Wilson right, right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, but what we love about it is, and what we, what we always talk to, to um, Eric Martin and Kevin Wright about, was sometimes, you know, they would be thinking, it's just so fun when Loki, Loki and Mobius are together. 
um, <clears throat> which is so nice to hear, obviously. But we would both remind them, um, remember that it's fun not because they're having fun, they're often in passionate disagreement. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not like, actually fun from, from yeah, the audience, yeah, the witness. Yeah, yeah. But, but they're, not, like, ba they're basically disagreeing right. all the time. No, 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 Loki, you're doing it wrong. Wait, of course I'm doing it right. right. This is the way you do it. It's like, why do you have to take it? To, you know? <laughs> and it's something about the fact uh, there's an underlying level of respect right? Um, in that I think they've taught each other something profound right. about the experience of being alive. Um, Loki got a second chance. He found that out from, he got given that by Mobius. Mobius was taught by Loki that actually free will does exist and he has a life on the timeline and you can be whoever you want to be. But in real time, it's it's still bickering about right. Cracker Jacks and yeah. who's, wearing the, who's wearing the suit in the, you know, who's it's, going out on the gangway. It's the classic midnight run dynamic. They hate <laughs> yeah. each other, but in the end, they, they need each other yeah. and they teach each other. Absolutely. They're friends. I don't think Loki's ever had a friend. And Mobius is his friend. Um, as you potentially exit, your partner, Zawe, has entered the MCU. She has, yeah. <laughs> you must have had a number of laughs, uh, exchanges yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah. Like, back when I did it, it was different, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> we didn't know it was going to be, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so proud of her. Yeah. And um, she's terrific in the Marvels, I'm, I just only saw it recently. And um, yeah, it has been, it has been bizarre to, to share those stories. I mean, I wish, I kind of want her to talk about her own work in her own way, sure, but, sure. but but yeah, I'm so proud of her. And um, we've had some, definitely had some laughs along the way about zippers and <laughs> bathroom breaks. <laughs> Which uh, costume is more, exactly, exactly. has it been decided who yeah. had the more uncomfortable costume? Have you? She, I was like, you know, I, I, I've now like, where well, I'm wearing regular TVA clothes, so I'm, a, right. I'm okay like with Like a zippers, human but, but back in, clothing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, back in the day um, on the first Thor, it was like, you know. Yeah, they didn't care about you guys back then. Your life has changed a lot, and congratulations! Like the family, you have a family now. Thank you very and, much, and it, it's beautiful to see. Thank you. Has you know the cliche question is a true question? Has it changed your perspective? I mean, you're an ambitious guy. You love the work. You love the of arts. Of course, it has to. Um, it. Uh, I think I probably knew it would, but I could never have imagined how deeply it would until it happened. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's before and after, you know. Um, let's talk about some other random things. Um, we always talk Heat. Have you read Heat Two yet? I have a copy of Heat Two, given to me by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. I haven't read it yet. This is a glaring omission in my. I confess, I haven't yeah. gotten through it but yet. But it's on the bookshelf. Yeah, yeah. I, we have to get through it. Yeah. And you know, he intends to make a movie. Yeah, I'm gonna fan cast right now. You know. <laughs> The Chris Sherlock uh, role, the Val Kilmer yeah. role, is Christian key, yeah. right? What do you think, Tom? I mean, I look far be it from me <laughs> to like fan cast myself. In, in, <laughs> I did it. I just did it now. <laughs> Would you be interested as a diehard? I got to read it. I got to read the material. I've, I mean, of course, the idea of it is thrilling. Sitting here with you, it's still like a seminal text. Yeah, it's still an absolutely like extraordinary film. In fact, I think. Justin and Aaron, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead are directors for episodes one, four, five, and six, had not seen it, I think. 
and oh I was wow. talking about it and they were like, okay, Tom is talking, endlessly talking about this film. We better go and watch it. <laughs> but it didn't disappoint. I was, they came in and they came in the next day. They were like, okay, yep, a hundred percent get it. Wow. Well, you would have That's lost tremendous respect picture. in the middle of production if they'd been like, I don't get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they were faking it. More of a it. bad boys guy. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, think, I think it was real. They were like, wow. Because also, here's the thing about Justin and Aaron is they are so forensic about detail. And that's why I love them as filmmakers. Um, that's actually true of the entire team on this. And, and it's like, God is in the detail, no pun intended, but, but it truly is. Yeah. If, you, if you look after the detail, you, you kind of, you find yourself looking after the big picture. And, and they were like in awe of the detail and heat. They were like, okay, yeah, we get it. Michael Mann forever. Forever and ever. Ferrari's pretty good. You should check it out. You'll like it, I think. I can't wait. Um, he is so great, honestly. And then I read something. Maybe it was an interview you did with him or somebody did with him. And we actually, it was earlier this year, and we actually sent it to each other, the three of us. We were like, read this. Like, oh, he's sharp as. Yeah. 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 I always say he's the only person I ever did a podcast uh, with when I was doing it in my office. He sits down and he brought out a binder mm. of notes from his films. Yeah. Like schematics. Just, just like. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But you want that, right? Well, of you just want that from a filmmaker. Yeah. I think it's that th that thing of like, I think as I obviously uh, I feel like an audience member first yeah. and a performer second. And the reason I'm a performer is because I was in the audience. And I think sometimes when in the audience, you don't necessarily know why you feel you're being looked after. You just know that the filmmaker. Yes. has done all the work for you. I always say that. It's like you can feel the certitude, whether it's like the precision of the shot, yeah. the attention to detail as you were just talking yeah. about. You want to feel like you are in safe hands. You're being immersed into the world. Yeah. It's okay. We've got your back. Yeah. Just just feel how you feel Yeah. and, and g come on the journey and connect to the story in whatever way you want to connect to it. Um, and I, I think I've learned as a performer that the more – and it's from watching people like him and others – the more precise yep. one can be in one's imagination, uh, even if those details aren't completely legible to every audience member, they'll still feel a, a kind of confident hand 100%. on the pillar. I know you've wrapped with Mike Flanagan, yeah. a filmmaker I, I truly admire, Wife of Chuck, uh, Stephen King, yeah. adaptation, very cool. Yeah. There's t talk of a bunch of other projects, but nothing official. Are you so Night Manager has been mentioned that like maybe one or two more seasons have in fact been greenlit. What We're, can you, you know, say? There's a that th this is kind of in the lap of of Simon and Stephen Cornwell mm -hmm. um, at Ink Factory, who um, happen to be John Le Carre's sons, um, and I think there are yeah, there's definitely some some ingre some ingredients have been bought and. Uh, they're in the kitchen on the table and um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, the stoves are being turned on. So You're really just latching onto <laughs> there, this metaphor. There are, there are cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what can be cooked up in that kitchen. Yeah. Um, no, there's, de there's definitely kind of, I think, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but there's uh, yeah. plans. Do, plans you, know, do you know the next gig or are you kind of looking right now to figure out what the next move is? Um, apart from Life of Chuck, I don't exactly know. I mean, I, I ha I've... As I speak to you now, I think, to be completely honest, I have I've wrapped my days on The Life of Chuck. Yep. And I had the most wonderful time with Mike Flanagan and his team and his company. 
Um, there's a real company of actors that he works with all the time, but also some new performers. And on this Stephen King, he is um, a kind of primary interpreter of Stephen King, I think. Yeah. And um, what I loved about this material and the short stories out there, but I don't want to get into spoilers, was it seemed to me to be resonant of the Stephen King who wrote The Shawshank Redemption. And that there's a, there's a warmth and a, a kind of spirit that's really on the side of life in the story that I really connected to when I read it. Um, it was just the most extraordinary script. I connected to it immediately. Um, and then was, and, and it's Mike Flanagan who's written the screenplay. And right. so when we met, I just sort of said, look, I just, this is amazing. Can I come and do it? Please can I come and do it? And, and uh, yeah, and we had a great time. We were talking when you came in about you know your old friend, uh, our mutual acquaintance, Mr. Eddie Redmayne, who yeah. was amazing um, as the MC in Cabaret. As the MC in Cabaret, coming to Broadway, yeah. um, a seminal text for him. Right. Yeah. What's the seminal text for you? What's the one that you keep will keep returning to? Oh, if goodness, that... I don't know if I've ever returned to anything. Is there some? Is there an early role, something you did on stage as a student or anything that you're like, oh, now with all the wisdom of my years, mm. I can reinterpret? And the answer can be no. Uh, I don't know. I think for me, it's probably, and you'll this will feel like a predictable answer. It's it's going back to Shakespeare, yeah. which feels like you're kind of going back to the same. It's not like going back to one role. It's just going back to right. A, a kind of a breadth of mind, a, a breadth of vision, a, a kind of poetical um, breadth that I find. I find so rewarding to inhabit. Well, it does feel like so many actors of your stripe do that and they kind of come back at different stages of their life. So it's like, you know, in 25 years, you'll do Lear, et cetera. Like it's... Touch wood, you said it. Have I got any, have I got any wood in here? Wait, is that wood and it doesn't look real? Someone please do yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, because there's something at every stage of your life. Yeah, that's the joy of those plays is that you, I think, if, if you are lucky enough, if performers are lucky enough, I mean, there are some people obviously who we all dearly love Kenneth Branagh and Judy Dench and Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart right. and, and these you know great actors who've been able to go through their lives and almost there are certain moments that are defined by a, a period. So you, you can you start out as you know you're the young lovers, whether right. you're Demetrius or Lysander in A Midsummer Night's Dream, or you're Romeo or um, or Prince Hal or something, and then you become you know more of a kind of Henry V than a um, you start playing the soldiers, right? Um, Coriolanus and uh, maybe the Roman plays, um, um, and then you get into this sort of this in these incredible t like Hamlet right. and um, Leontes in the Winter's Tale, and um, possibly. Iago or the Scottish gentleman I'm so superstitious <laughs> I can't say the name and you're in that sort of incredibly rich potent yep. sort of period and then if you're lucky enough you get to play the the, fa the fathers and the grandfathers and the wizards you know Prospero and Lear and oh, we're going to be talking I don't know if the podcasts are going to exist in 30 years but whatever form oh, it is I really hope so <laughs> I really hope people still value like in person no it's gonna be beamed straight form. into there <laughs> yeah. yeah in the post-apocalyptic yeah. landscape you're gonna be performing lear on a rubble somewhere <laughs> yeah god I, yeah maybe i hope there's an audience although i do i would say did you watch there was a clip recently um 
Dame Judi Dench was on the Graham Norton show and she's written a book about her experience I did see this. with Shakespeare. Yeah. And, and, and Graham Norton says, you know, are you kind of like a Shakespeare jukebox? We can just kind of like... Yeah. Um, turns out she is. It turns out she is. Yeah, <laughs> she does the sonnet. But what was also really interesting was like, like a, like a great musician or a great artist with a kind of um, repertoire. Yeah. It's, it, her whole life has been dedicated. To, you know, she calls the book, I think, The Man Who Pays the Rent. Hey, Judy, I'm giving you a big plug here. Um, <laughs> the, the Man Who Pays the Rent by Judy Dench. Um, but, but she's done so much of it, that, and so much of it is in her mind. Um, but what I thought was really interesting was that the audience were completely, instantaneously spellbound by it. Yeah, yeah. In this digital age, that there's this ancient wisdom, and she spoke these true lines I think it was with Sonnet, um, When in Disgrace with Fortune in Men's Eyes. So hopefully that will last, right? I think it's lasted this much yeah. time. It's going to yeah. last another so, thousand years. So that, I guess, is my returning, my returning role. If well, I'm lucky, if I'm lucky, if I'm lucky. What would, what, what would scare you more at this point, a uh, Broadway musical or getting the call to be James Bond? Both terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, number one, that's terrifying. Number two, terrifying. Uh, yeah. Yeah, only thing more terrifying is the James Bond musical, I suppose. Absolutely, like, white knuckle. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you seen, you haven't had time to see, uh, read Heat 2, rather, uh, last film that really rocked your world? Have you been able to see much? You've been in production, so I don't expect yeah, you to see Yeah, let me think, let me think, let me think. Um, I Barbenheimered. <laughs> At once? Did you do the double feature? I did a double, well, we did it on Monday night, Oppenheimer, Tuesday matinee Barbie both was wonderful great. was great it was a great I mean I feel like I don't want to do a disservice to Christopher Nolan and Greta Gerwig by making them a hybrid <laughs> hybrid that was not the intention no no but it did become an extraordinary cultural it, it moment was, it was such a win-win yeah. for everybody yeah. because they were both great movies yeah. they both succeeded yeah. they both proved that while Barbie is IP it is very audacious yeah yeah, we taken on IP. Yeah, I, um, I, and I loved it. I was, I was, um, I found it really touching. Actually, do you, do you think you're enough? Are you? No, no way. No way. <laughs> Come on, look, I'm wearing navy blue. Like, I'm wearing no, grey. I'm trying to get you a job. They're gonna, they're gonna <laughs> I do a see, sequel. I see, I see, I see. Yes, you're enough. I didn't. Well, okay. You're, you're but I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to just, you know, be respectful of, right. of all the Kens. You're self-doubting. Great Ken. work. You're, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, clearly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't deserve to be, don't deserve to be in that beautiful pink world. All right, some uh, profoundly random questionnaires from the Happy Second Fused Profoundly Random Questionnaire. Okay. What do you collect? I don't know this. Do you collect anything? Do I collect anything? Not off the top of my head. Um, I don't think I act, I don't think I consciously collect anything. Um, I randomly do collect things. I, I've like got more old dog-eared tennis balls. <laughs> <laughs> like I put a new coat on and be like, why are there three tennis balls in here? Right. Um, that can be painful if you sit down. Yeah, the wrong yeah, yeah exactly. Be careful. Often I'm like, ah, what's that? <laughs> oh, tennis ball. Um, I think I've got, I've do, I have, I don't consciously collect anything, but I do have all, lots of old call sheets, which I sometimes, yes. I put them in a little file and I keep them. I think, and it always takes me back to that moment. Yeah. Those actors, that time. Um, yeah, that's fu it's fun to do that. It's fun when you find like 
the call sheet that sums up the whole experience. Right. And then it becomes like a time capsule. 100%. Have mm-hmm. you ever asked for an autograph or photo with a co-star? I don't think so. I have professional. I asked I uh, the most the one I can think of the, the photo I did ask for a photograph four years ago when I was at the US Open and uh, we ran into Roger Federer and I was completely overwhelmed because I love Roger Federer <laughs> and, um, and I, went, I asked How him for a photo he, he was those? so gracious yeah. and so sweet and I felt so uh, so silly for asking but I was just like I was encouraged to buy my present company and then by his team they were like no 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 go and ask him he loves <laughs> he loves it yeah and and he liked me and then actually he then became we became friends not friends but like sort of pen pals and so I've been nice. to see him play tennis and stuff and yeah play with him would you ever play I've never I've never hit with him I mean the hubris in 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 <laughs> hey, in, 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 hey anytime Roger, you're interested you fancy playing you know it's like <laughs> okay Tom you know you'd have to treat me with kid gloves what's the last time you danced uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say <laughs> um, so I didn't realize I was hitting a yeah yeah this may be a sport uh, uh, yeah um, actually I, da- I mean I dance all the time truthfully I, da- I dance anywhere anytime everywhere I have a vivid memory and I think it's it was at the Toronto Film Festival and I was talking to you at a party I want to say it was for I Saw the Light and, and I might have created this in my mind I was talking to you and the music started to crank up I think Idris was like DJing the party or something <laughs> and you I think you said the words to me I think it's time to boogie, and I think you walked away. And you at the party for I saw the light. I think so. Have I conjured this up? Was this like a acid trip that I was? There was a party. Yeah. Have I? I might have conflated parties. No, no, no. It was. That's right. That's right. I do remember that party. I just remember you kind of like drifting away and starting to dance. No, no, no. Because it was. (laughs) When well, you know that feeling when the. I don't know that feeling when you don't don't get you don't get the. I did not dance at my wedding. I danced one dance. Josh. Did we you, dance more? Will you give me dance lessons? No. <laughs> I'm not formally trained. Um, yeah, I get great, I get great, I've always got great pleasure from dancing, um, which possibly people know. But uh, yeah, dance anywhere, all the time. Listen, we're all in the same boat, headed for the lighthouse. The trick is to enjoy the trip while you can. There dance. are other ways besides dance, dancing. Dance, for me, it. it's, for me, it's the, it's the music, you know, and also right. like this, when a, when a jam comes on and you know it's time, you got to go. Yeah, it's time yeah. to boogie, as time you told boogie. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would your partner, your friend, say is the most annoying thing about you? If I got them to con- like to say, like, you know what, this w- Tom's great. There's this one little. That's a good question. <laughs> um, I'm sort of like. I don't know. There's some. There's sometimes I'm like I'll be playing tennis with a friend, and. He would like I th- he would I would play for I don't know an hour and a half or two hours and he would like should we stop and I'm like let's keep going. He's like oh for God's sake <laughs> come on he's committed because I just love it yeah and it, but also I'm always like and some I don't know maybe that I think my friends would say here he goes you know <laughs> why do we have to do an extra kilometer why can't right. we just do the five k? It's just ridiculous. I mean it's, it's called a five k for it's, a reason it's not the six k six k just stick to five <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the worst note a director has ever given you? The worst note a director has ever given me. I've been lucky. I've had some good notes, you know. Um, 
I actually can't think. Sometimes I can't even remember an instance. I know it's happened, but I can't remember when or who it was. But you get a note. You'll. It feels like inside a performance, the goal is to be completely instinctive and unselfconscious, right. and you're working actually from a place of of uh, interiority. You're inside something, inside the character and their motivations. And sometimes, um, I don't know, director can say, you know when you do this thing with your eyebrows, you're like, I didn't know I was doing that with my eyebrows. Right. No one's actually said that. Yeah. But I've actually you, heard that from other actors have said literally that exact. Like, when you do this thing with your left hand, you're like, did I do that with my left hand? Now you're self-conscious. Now I'm thinking now about my left hand. Yeah. Now my left hand's just gonna hang there, right. like some sort of <laughs> dead weight. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so the Talladega Knights thing. Yeah, 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 hands, yeah. Right. yeah. But most, I hasten to add, this is like, I can't remember this happening. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so last thing, in the tradition of exit interviews, if indeed this is the end of your tenure, as Loki, I'm gonna ask you a series of questions as if this is your exit interview. Okay. You ready? Um, Tom, why did you des decide to leave the company? <laughs> I feel content that I fulfilled my purpose here. Did you get along with your peers? If I were being honest with you, Josh, I would say initially, it was bumpy. <laughs> Not gonna name names. <laughs> Hemsworth. But, <laughs> <laughs> but over time, I uh, grew to understand my misguided point of view <laughs> and made appropriate changes. Were you recognized enough for your accomplishments? Um, if I were, I don't know that it matters. That's not the point. That's not it. That's, That's not what not it's it. about. Yeah. yeah. Did the role meet your expectations? More than 10,000, 5,000 million times over. That's a billion. How much is 5,000 million? I'm an English major. Okay. Um, what advice would you like to give to your team going forward that you leave behind? <clears throat> um, sometimes purpose is more burden than glory. <laughs> Very appropriate. And would you ever consider working here again? For all time. Always. Um, well, whether this is the end of the journey or not, I know enough from our past conversations not to be definitive about it. Um, I know you hear this from the fans, but thank you for elevating, you know, I mean, this was a character that was so rich on the page, but I can't think of someone that could have made more of it that has delivered more of more of a passionate performance and has just been so invested from the start. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank Josh, <laughs> honestly, thank you. I, I, I've said this before, but we first met at Comic-Con in yeah. 2010 and even like that was, it was we had made the first Thor movie, we were presenting it to the audience at San Diego Comic Con for the first time. I could feel the excitement in in Hall H, and people had t people had told me about the the, the passion of the fa of this audience, and I genuinely would not be here without that passion. Yeah. Like it's, I feel. It really is like, and that's what I, was, I think I was trying to describe when I was thinking about shooting that finale is, um, 
when I was walking out onto the gangway and climbing up those stairs, I was I've, I felt like I was carrying everybody with me who has been on the journey with me, who's my, you know, the directors, the actors, the writers. And, um, you know, you're a huge part of that. No, no, you, but, but you are. And, and, and people who I know who listen to the podcast and you're such a champion of, of film and, and storytelling. And, um, it's been, it has been like, you know, we've made a series about time and I've given this character so much of my time. Yeah. And so it's not, it's not insignificant. It's not, um, when Kenneth Branagh directed me as Hamlet, he, before our first performance, he assembled the company of actors together and gave us a little, little talk, a few notes, before the, about two hours before the first show. And he, at the end of it, he said, and this is what I would like to say about playing Loki, it's not nothing. It is something. It is always a privilege, my friend. It sounds like we're never speaking again. We will speak <laughs> we again. Will speak again. <laughs> yeah. um, but truly, congratulations on this, and uh, I can't wait to see where the journey takes you next. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. Ha <laughs> ha